Good morning, everyone. My name's Matt Grant. Uh, I'm part of the 10.30 service, so you may not have seen me before, but that's okay. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, so uh, one big family. Um, I'm Andrew and Muriel Shockle's son-in-law, just to give you some family context, and I work as a primary school teacher in Campbelltown. Uh, before that, I did uh, three years of ministry training with the Wollongong uh, Christian Group at Wollongong Uni, and um, uh, Rod and Mark asked me if I'd be willing to preach this morning while they're both away. Um, and uh, I don't know if Rod and Mark talk about this, but thank you to those people who are sitting close. Um, as a preacher, it's you can feel like you're a bit on your own when there are three or four rows of chairs between you and the nearest person. So thank you to the people who are sitting close. And uh, just a little tip, if you want to show your love to Rod and Mark, then uh, sit down the front. Try the front row. It's good. Get a friend. Come to the front. Uh, they'll love you for it. Uh let me pray and then uh, we'll have a look at our passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet t- together this morning and look at your word. We ask that you would stir in us great love for one another as we uh, seek to please you and to align ourselves with your plan of seeing uh, Christians remain Christians uh, for their whole lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, this morning is a special morning because we're farewelling uh, a, f- a few of our uh, family to go off to Bangladesh, John and Pauline and um, Danny and Martin. And uh, as I was talking to John earlier in the week, John and Pauline are a terrific example of how um, we ought to love uh, disciples of Christ that we wouldn't ordinarily love. Um, as I was talking with John, he uh, told me that it was the vision of seeing uh, missionaries in Bangladesh be better equipped and trained and uh, then sent out into the rural parts of Bangladesh that really excited him and Pauline and that they could see themselves uh, encouraging these believers. They could see themselves providing some helpful training and upskilling. And so that's uh, how they got involved. They've known people... Uh, serving in Bangladesh for 40 or so years, but as we've heard, the last 12 or so years they've been going across. And it's uh, it's really love. It's love for the brothers and sisters in Bangladesh that uh, Paul, John and Pauline continue to serve them. And uh, it's very difficult for our brothers and sisters in Bangladesh to minister there. There are tremendous hardships. And uh, John shared that it's uh, tremendously encouraging for them when John and Paul leave arrive and hear of their ministry and are able to say to them, well, you're doing great, keep going. It's tremendously encouraging for the believers in Bangladesh. And our parable this morning is uh, Jesus uh, correcting selfish attitudes of his disciples that we see earlier in Matthew 18. So to give you a bit of context that uh, in the first verse of Matthew 18, the disciples front up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's number one? And Jesus says, unless you change and become like little children, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And so the the background to this passage is pride. The disciples are tremendously proud of uh, their own uh, position, uh, their own proximity to Jesus, but that's not the attitude that Jesus 
uh, intends for those who are part of his kingdom. And as, we, as we'll see, uh, what Jesus is uh, teaching them is, and he gives them three reasons why they should value other disciples. They were all about number one, but uh, Jesus is getting them to think a bit broader and a bit, instead of inwardly focused, outwardly focused to other disciples. Now, before we go on, if you're looking carefully at your Bibles, you'll see that there was no verse 11. We went from 10 to 12, and I'm a primary school teacher, I know how to count. 11 follows 10, 100% of the time. Uh, So, what happened to verse 11? Well, in the, uh, back in the day when the King James Version was written, um, the manuscripts that they had at the time included a, uh, a line from Luke chapter 19, which says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, as the years went by, the King James Version was written in about 1600 or something like that. As the years went by, they found more and better manuscripts of the New Testament. And these older and better manuscripts didn't have this sentence that uh, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And so scholars are fairly certain that uh, that sentence from Luke chapter 19 was inserted later in an effort to make the Matthew passage sound a bit more like the similar parable in Luke chapter 15, where there's the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son, uh, as we would know well. And so scholars are fairly convinced that because it wasn't in these earlier manuscripts, someone's inserted it later in an attempt to make Matthew and Luke sound the same. But as uh, I hope and as I pray that uh, as we look at our text this morning, we'll see that there are slight differences. Um, We don't lose anything by not having this one sentence. We aren't missing out on any key doctrines. Um, And we can actually be approaching the text with greater confidence than that what we have is what God intended because of these, uh, these older and better, more complete manuscripts of the New Testament that we found. There's about seven or eight copies of the New Testament where this, the sentence, the verse 11 sentence, isn't included. So it's fairly reliable. And so we can be confident that we've got a p- better translation of the Bible than we had with the King James Version. So that's verse 11. The first reason that Jesus gives uh, for why we should value other disciples of Christ is their destiny in verse 10. So if you have your Bibles there, please keep them open so you can check that what I'm saying is what the Bible's saying. Uh, Have a look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, who are the little ones? That uh, is a key question. And uh, it seems like little, the little ones are disciples of Christ. If we have a look at uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, we'll see that Jesus says to them, Truly I tell you, unless you change 
and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he's talking to disciples here and he's telling his disciples they've got to change, become like little children. It's more explicit in verse 6 of Matthew 18. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And so it's pretty clear that by the little ones, Jesus means Christians. He means disciples of himself. Uh, He means followers of Jesus. And so if you fall into that category, then uh, as we think about uh, what Jesus is saying about little ones and our attitude towards little ones, it's, he's talking about our attitude towards other believers, other Christians, other followers of Christ. Now, there's also, there are a few tricky bits in this uh, passage this morning. Verse 11 was one of them. Uh, the next one comes in verse 10. And the reason Jesus gives for us not to despise other believers. Despise could be to disregard or to look down on or to see someone as worthless, or to undervalue them. Now, we, I'm sure we do this all the time, it's sometimes willful. We might see someone at church and walk the other way, because we don't want to talk to them. Sometimes it's just unconscious. We just thoughtlessly neglect uh, to encourage other disciples of Christ. And that's the attitude that Jesus is speaking against here. And the reason he gives is because of their destiny. He says, I tell you, in verse 10, that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, this is tricky because, uh, from what I've read, there are three possible ways to understand the angels bit. Jesus could be talking about guardian angels. He could be talking about uh, angels generally, the angels that uh, exist in the heavenly places and who minister to us. He could also be talking about uh, the spirits of believers when they die. Scholars are divided. Uh, I read one guy and said, of course, this verse is talking about guardian angels. I read someone else and said, and they said, this can't be talking about guardian angels. So it's tricky. Uh, if, If this Jesus is talking about guardian angels here, then we would expect that there would be more about guardian angels in the Bible than there currently is, which is next to nothing. And so I'm less persuaded by that view um, because guardian angels would dramatically change how we live the Christian life, I imagine. But God doesn't tell us much about that. So I don't think it's that one. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 1, the writer to the Hebrews talks about angels as being spirits sent to minister to serve believers. Uh, And so that exists, that happens. Are those the kind of angels that Jesus is talking about here? Well, I'm not sure. Um, If they are sent to minister to believers, then why? what are they doing in front of the the Father? I don't know. It's a bit tricky. The one that I am persuaded of, and I could be persuaded of the heavenly host one as well, but the the understanding that I'm persuaded of with the angels here is that, that when Jesus says angels, he's talking about the spirits of believers when they die. Uh, In Acts chapter 12, uh, Peter's in jail, an angel leads him out of jail, he goes knocking on the door of uh, the disciples, uh, one of the disciples' house where the disciples are meeting 
and the woman who answers the door thinks this pos- can't possibly be Peter. He, he's in jail. It must be his spirit because the spirit sounds like Peter. Uh, it turns out it really is Peter, but that she thought it was his angel helps us to understand that using this word angel can mean a spirit of a Christian. And so the reason Jesus gives for valuing and caring for other disciples is that they will be in heaven when they die. God has decreed that they will see the Father, that they will see himself when they leave this world and enter the next And so we ought not to regard them as worthless because God has decreed that they would be exalted to a highly, highly privileged position. If you can imagine um, uh, this, you're driving on a Sunday morning, maybe only, you know, 45 minutes, an hour ago, and the person that you're driving behind is just getting on your nerves, they change lanes without indicating, they brake suddenly, they accelerate quickly, um, they, uh, they get on the horn at someone else and you're driving behind them and you're just getting irked, aren't you? You're just beginning to wonder why this person's allowed to drive. And then, and then they turn into the church car park, just like you understanding their destiny, that they're going to the same place you are, would change how you see them on the road, would it not? You would perhaps give them a bit more grace and patience and think, oh, well, there must be some, some terrible reason why they're behaving on the road the way they are. Understanding that other believers are going to be with us and with the Father in heaven uh, ought to uh, stir us to love and to treat them well uh, in this life. A way that we can apply this is, is through prayer. And I'm going to teach you a very simple prayer that my friend Neil taught to me. Uh, when I was ministering at Wollongong Uni, I would uh, be praying with people each week. And Neil used to pray this all the time. He used to pray this for just about every person that we prayed for. Uh, it should come up on the screen. And it says, so you're praying for someone and we pray for whomever, that they might be with us and with you in glory as we're praying to the Father. Very simple, isn't it? But it's really gold. We're praying for other believers. We're remembering their destiny, that it's a shared destiny, us and them. And we're remembering where we're going. We're going to be in the Father's presence. We're going to be in glory. And so a way that we can very practically and very easily value one another is to pray this prayer for each other. To pray that when we're praying for someone, we ask the Father that they would remain believers, that they would be with us and with the Father in glory. So understanding the destiny of other Christians helps us value them and a way we can do that practically is by praying that they would remain Christians and be with the Father with us. The second reason Jesus gives is their shepherd. We ought to value other believers because of their shepherd in verses 12 to 13. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep 
than about the 99 that did not wander off. Jesus tells this uh, little parable not to educate his disciples about uh, shepherding practices. They already understood shepherding. They would hear this and go, of course, duh. Exactly, Jesus, exactly. That's what the shepherd would do. A hundred sheep belong to a small to medium-sized shepherding business and the shepherd would know each sheep individually. He would give them all a name, Norman and Steve and Phyllis and Jan and uh, he would know exactly their temperaments and he would understand them. And uh, much like Tom Cruise in the film Castaway, if one wandered off, he would say, Wilson! If you've ever seen that movie, if you haven't, you'll be able to find the scene. It's a pretty big scene. Uh, So the shepherd knows the sheep. Now, in Luke chapter 15, where this parable also occurs, we see some differences. In Luke chapter 15, the sheep is lost. Here, the sheep is, has gone astray. In Luke chapter 15, uh, the shepherd uh, rejoices. Here, the shepherd rejoices as well. So that's a similarity. But the big difference is that the sheep isn't lost here. Jesus isn't talking about uh, people who aren't Christians. He's talking about people who are believers, who are part of his flock, who stray, just turn a bit. And consider what the shepherd sacrifices for the sheep. He leaves the security of having the big flock. He um, leaves his home. He's taking care of the sheep on the hills. But when he finds the sheep, what does he gain? Joy. He rejoices. The shepherd is well pleased to find that stray sheep. In John chapter 10, we read of Jesus as the shepherd. We read that, and he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so as we think about valuing other disciples, other Christians... We need to remember the one for whom he gave his life. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for us, for you, for me. So as we look at each other in church, we're seeing people, yes, we're seeing people for whom the Lord Jesus values highly and for whom he went to the cross. We're in a privileged position before God because of the sacrifice and the love of the Lord Jesus. And so why should we treat each other well? Well, because the Lord Jesus gave up his life to bring them into the fold. There were um, a few photos uh, on the internet a little while ago of uh, President Obama, when he was in office, uh, playing with little kids. And a couple of those should come up. If they're working, there they are. And uh, some of them are pretty cool, like the little kids patting his head uh, in the Oval Office. And in the top photo, he's pretending to be webbed by Spider-Man up against the door. Now, these, uh, the dignity and the value and the worth of these kids isn't enhanced or increased by their proximity to uh, President Obama. 
but their importance is highlighted, isn't it? That he would give up time to uh, time spent running the nation, the US, uh, to play games with little kids and to let uh, them treat him kind of as if he's a kid too, uh, highlights and draws attention to how important kids are and the, the value that they have. And so as we uh, seek to apply this second point, that we ought to value one another because of uh, the shepherd, our shared shepherd, the Lord Jesus. Consider what we ought to sacrifice for the sake of b- brothers and sisters in Christ. What, what should we give up, what could we give up in order to help turn other believers who may have strayed back towards the Lord Jesus? Maybe it's something to do with our phones. Maybe there's apps or work email or money apps or fitness apps or games that we're constantly obsessing about that's uh, causing harm in our relationships and others around us are constantly irked or frustrated. Perhaps we ought to consider them and out of love for them, not inward-centred love, but outward-centred love, give up these things. Maybe it's giving up time spent watching the cricket to go have coffee with someone. Maybe it's uh, time spent out in the garden. Instead of doing that on your own, invite someone round. Invite the, um, the friend round who's struggling a bit as a Christian. Do it together. Talk about uh, the Christian life. Encourage one another. This whole section... This whole chapter of Matthew 18, Jesus is instructing his disciples about how they should treat other disciples. And he's seeking to change their attitude, which will transform their action. And so our attitude towards other disciples should be one of love, value, care. One, because of their destiny. Two, because of their shepherd. Three, because of the Father's will in verse 14. Verse 14 reads, In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Now, it's easy to forget that God loves Christians. We hear a lot, and rightly, that God loves uh, the outsider, and that is true, and uh, we're all recipients of God's love for the outsider. But God loves the believer. He loves his children of the faith. He loves his... Uh, sons and daughters in Christ. And once you're a Christian, God wants you to stay a Christian. His will for you is that you would be with Him and with the Lord Jesus and with all those who are His in glory. Philippians 1 verse 6 uh, talks about uh, how God seeks to fulfil and to finish the good work in us that He has started. Paul writes, he's thankful of the partnership of the Philippian church um, and being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God wants Christians to remain Christians. He wants those in his flock to remain in his flock, to not stray. And this this is hard for us to hear. And I'm sure we all know people who professed faith in Christ, who were active in the church, who now aren't. 
who reject Christ, who uh, do not seek to please him. And that's hard for us. But we can only say what uh, the Lord Jesus himself says in Matthew 15, verse 8. He writes, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God's desire for Christians that we see here in verse 14 is that they should remain part of the flock, that they should not perish. That's the will of the Father. Perish here means ruin or destroy. And uh, earlier in the chapter, he talks about taking off a, a, a hand or gouging out an eye to save yourselves, to save ourselves from the, the fire of hell. And so there's eternal kind of uh, loss in view here. But the will of the Father is that we stick together with the Lord Jesus until he returns. About 10 years ago, I was in the army very briefly, just for one year. And uh, during the final two weeks of infantry training, we were out in the bush and uh, we had we were doing defensive things. We dug holes in the ground for a week and lived in them, which was pretty gross at times, but kind of fun. Uh, and part of the week, we were uh, tasked, there was maybe three or four of us, we were sent to go out and to be all sneaky and to watch some pretend enemy and see what they're doing and then come back and tell, uh, tell the commander. And anyway, the pretend enemy, of course, were in cahoots with the commander. That's, that's their role. And so he told them, okay, just do your normal thing. Some guys are going to come and watch you and then they're going to come back. So we snuck off. We tried to be really sneaky. We were watching them and uh, we thought we counted everyone. And then one turns up behind us and he grabs one of us. There were three or four of us. And he grabs one of us and, you know, we're trying to get him back. He's not budging. And so we're we leg it and go back to the commander and say, something's gone terribly wrong. One of our guys is left behind. And uh, he was furious. He, the will of that little exercise was for us to have a go at being sneaky, sneaky and watching people. Not that we had to try and rescue someone. And so he stormed off. And I don't know, he was a few hundred metres away, but we could hear word for word exactly what he said to those uh, support trainers. Uh, they deviated from his will. He, the commander's will for us was that we would stick together, but uh, that was not followed by these other people. So we've got to be looking out for one another. We've, as disciples of Jesus, we're, we're all going to be with the Father. The will of the Father is that we would stay with him, stay with the Lord Jesus, that we would not be lost or perish. And so if you know someone who is having a hard time as a Christian and uh, if you're honest, then we've, you've all had hard times as Christians, uh, we ought to be looking out for that person. It, we don't have to do anything extravagant. Um, God is the one who changes hearts, but he uses people. We're his instruments. And this is especially important over the next few weeks as uh, many home groups have stopped for the moment. Usually the home group leader would be looking out for people, but, but with home groups not meeting, it would be easy to, to allow ourselves to stray. Um, and so if you know someone who is just having a hard time, then send them that text or give them a ring and ask them how they're going. Have that coffee catch up. 
pray with that person on Sunday. And in doing so, in demonstrating our value and our love and our care for other disciples, we're aligning ourselves with the will of the Father for the universe. What a thought, hey? That by caring for another Christian, we're doing exactly what God wants us to do and exactly what he wills for all Christians, that they should not perish. John and Pauline and those who have been to Bangladesh before and who are going now give us a wonderful picture of what it looks like to value and to love other disciples in Christ. Our passage teaches us about this as well, that we love and we value them because of our shared destiny and remember the prayer that they would be with us and with you in glory. Very simple, very profound. We remember their shepherd. They and us, we have the same shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life. Not giving us incredible worth, but highlighting the worth of how valuable we are to God. And remembering the Father's will, that the Father desires not one of his sheep should be lost, but that they should remain part of the flock. It's hard, it's costly, but uh, seeing people in the new creation who you've invested in, who have remained Christians, who are now with the Lord Jesus rejoicing and praising him, will bring such joy that uh, the, the hardships will be a distant, if at all, a memory. So over the next few weeks, over the next few weeks of summer, would we remember this parable? Would we seek the care and value of the disciples in Christ? Let me pray. Our loving Father, we thank you for all those who are yours. We thank you for those who have cared for us and ministered to us and helped us in our Christian life. We ask that, uh, that we would not be guilty of despising and undervaluing our brothers and sisters in Christ. Please give us great love for them uh, as you love them. Please help us to value them as uh, we have a shared destiny, as we remember our shared shepherd who laid down his life for us and as we remember your will that, uh, that your people should remain part of the flock of the Lord Jesus. We ask that uh, all those who are yours would be with us and with you in glory and that there would be much rejoicing when the Lord Jesus returns. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.